Good morning, everyone. Every time I come here, I say the same thing, but it's not a cliche, but it is an honor and privilege for us to be here and to be connected with, with um, Baptist Church and CMA. We still have our national co our colors. We have honorary colors. So we're actually members of CMA, which is a blessing. Let's just bow our heads in prayer and commit this part of the service to the Lord, if that's okay. Father, we count it a real privilege and honor to be in your presence. Just freely come in like we are. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in our midst. And I thank you for every person sitting here. You know us. And you know what we need to hear today. So we invite you to speak to us. And I pray that all of us will walk out encouraged in Jesus' name. And the Lord, that you confirm your word with signs following. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to speak this morning for a few minutes um, on prayer. So we all know about prayer, so don't switch off, okay? So, but I want to speak specifically, because there are many kinds of prayers, and in Ephesians 6 verse 18, I believe it is, it says we need to pray with all kinds of prayers. And there's just a prayer of being in God's presence, and we fellowship with Him, and there's intercessory prayer, and there's the prayer of faith and praise and, and so on. But, but this morning, I, put, I want to speak spe specifically the prayer that changes things. And um, Jesus gave a parable in Luke 18, and I would encourage you to read it if you're not familiar with it. But he, he spoke, and he starts off in verse 1 by saying that Jesus gave this parable so that we would pray and we won't grow weary in prayer. That's the purpose of why he did. And so he gives the story of a widow and an unjust judge. Does anyone remember that story? So what happens is there's this, this judge, and he doesn't fear God. He doesn't regard man. And this widow comes to him, and she says to him that you need to, to help me to give me justice uh, against my adversary. So he doesn't listen. So she comes again, and she says, give me justice against my adversary. Jesus is giving the parable. And he doesn't do anything about it because he doesn't regard men. He doesn't fear God. But then he came to the point where he said, listen to this, I had better do something because, and I want to pick up in the scripture in Luke 18 verse 5, it says, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. How's that? I mean, you know, I think any woman can really do that. <laughs> Sorry. Any you guys found that out? Bothering you. Modern day terminology is nagging, I think. But it says, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually, listen, come and attack me. Now, in the New King James Version, or in the New King James says, lest by her continual coming she wears me out. 
And so I had to look at the Greek word of, of wears, wears me out. And it actually, listen to this, the Greek, Jesus speaking, he says, beat me black and blue. How do you like that? So when the NIV, when the NIV says, lest she eventually come and attack me, he's, listen, he's fearing for his life. Jesus is giving a parable about prayer. And the Lord said, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him? Sure. Day and night, will he keep putting them off? And I'm just sensing this morning, this could be a watershed moment for you. You see, as Christians, prayer becomes almost like a bit of a ritual. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yet, if we understood how much of God's supernatural power is available to us as Christians, I believe it would transform the way we pray and our prayer lives. Have you ever felt that God's far away from you at times? I want to say this. He's as far away or as near to you as your next prayer. The moment you say, Father, you've got God's attention. How can I say that? I say that because God loves us. We sang about it. He loves us, and listen to this, he wants to answer our prayers. That's his desire, that's God's desire. In John 16, 23, it says, I'll tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. Now, you sang a few couple of songs here, I don't know them, they're very nice. I don't know the words, but, but remember this. Jesus has all authority. Remember singing something like that this morning? And, and so, in his name, he, God's just waiting for us to ask him in his name. He says, you haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you'll have abundant joy. John fifteen seven. if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. TNCs apply. <laughs> what do I mean by that? It says here, if you remain in me, my word remains in you. You may ask anything. And you see, when we get into God's word, I want to say this, a lot of things happen to us. But number one, we suddenly begin to realize God offers us far more than what we realize. There's so many promises in his word. And in the New King James, it says, and they, every promise is yea and amen. In, in modern day English, it simply means they apply. God will keep his word. And so as we do that and get into his word, I like the way it says over here, it says, you may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. 
In 1 John 5, 14 and 15, it says, And we are confident that he hears us whenever we pray for anything that pleases him. TNC applies. Because we're not going to ask for things that don't please him. Amen. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he'll give us what we ask for. So God tells us to pray. Why? Because he wants to answer our prayers. And he can't answer any prayer until we pray the prayer. Yeah, that's deeper. So, so James 4.12 says, You have not because you ask not. TNC is applied. Because then he goes on and he says, And you ask and you don't receive. Why? Because you're asking for things to satisfy the lusts of the flesh. But we're not like that. Just turn to your name and say, that doesn't apply to you. The big thing is this, that God is saying you have not because you ask not. Now, God doesn't always answer our prayers immediately. Has anyone found that out? There are times in our lives when God seems to be silent. Has that, has that ever happened to you? It's not, Now I want you to hear this, it's not because he's punishing us, and it's not because he's giving us the silent treatment. God doesn't give us silent treatment. He's not moody. And it's not because he's punishing us. Do you know what's happening? He's simply saying, keep praying. Keep praying. Answered prayer doesn't depend on how loud you pray. Even though we're shouting over here in, in the song there, because, I don't know, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church. Yeah, the guys could shout. And, and, and when you lay hands on people to, to pray for them to be healed, you don't only shout, but you shake them. I don't know if anyone's been in that environment. You can say, if you haven't, just say, thank you, Jesus, I wasn't there. Because you get healed from the infirmity, but you land up with a headache. <laughs> it doesn't depend on how long your prayers are, either. And Jesus said that, didn't he? But you know what it is? It's the heart behind the prayer and its consistency. So yeah, I want to take you back to the widow. The widow knew she had a right, and someone was, was ripping her off. So she comes to the person, listen, who could help her, and he says, help me, and she says, help me, but he doesn't. So what did she do? Did she back off? No. She, I want to put it this way for me. When she approached that judge, probably after the second or third time, she had fire in her eyes. And I always imagine her as, as, a, little, as a little widow. <laughs> because sometimes short people, they're fiery. And she's a feisty little thing, this, this widow over there. But she came, and it's not, it's not limited. But if you understand, this is my own picture. Maybe it's because I'm short, and so is my wife. And, and, and if I get an album, look, I'll tremble. I'll be, I'll be like that judge. But what happened? He, he saw this, and this is the point we're making. He saw this woman will not give up. 
She's coming until she gets it. And, and it's gonna get, it could get violent. Because she could attack me. She could beat me black and blue. Now, we can't beat God black and blue. But what's the issue? The issue is when we pray for something we know is God's will, I want to say, don't give up on your family. Pray. But don't pray, and I want to get you that now. No, don't pray in a sense, we just say, Father, please save my family. Uh-uh. That's not going to help much. If you know, pray for your business. Instead of moaning about our country, pay, pray for our country. Can God change things? I said, can God change things? Pray for your health. Pray for your finances. Pray. Pray. Pray, pray for your church. Pray. Pray. But pray with heart. That's the important thing. How much fight do you have inside of you? How much inside of you says, I'm not give, giving up until I get what I'm coming for? You see, God honors that that kind of prayer, that's the kind of prayer I'm talking about. That's the prayer that God's going to answer. And so I want to go back to that scripture, if I may. And it says over here, The Lord said, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? He will not keep putting them off. So if God's silent, it just means this. Keep praying. Just keep praying with, with fire in your bones, if I can, if I can put it that way. So uh, it's, it's like I want to give you a picture of like a fire engine. So imagine this building's on fire, and the fire engine goes there. Now, first of all, they don't come with a hose pipe. Do you know what I mean? A hose pipe, water coming in a hose pipe, it's not going to put that fire out. They have these massive hoses. And it's hard for one fireman to, to hold that, that hose. Why? Because there is such a gush of water coming out of, coming out of, and volume coming out of that fire engine through the hose that they know this water can put this fire out. And let me tell you something else. They keep pumping that water and keep pumping it until when? Until the fire's out. And so the same thing needs to be with us. That same story. We're not going to pray these little host pipe prayers. God, if it's your will. Or Father, I'm just bringing it to your attention again. Who knows what I'm talking about? Today, those prayers stop. And we're switching from our host pipe to a fire hose. And we're going to pump, and we're going to pray, and we're going to pray until God comes through for us. Is this helping anyone this morning? Another example you could use is like, remember those old scales that they had, like they had balances? So you put the product on the one side, then you've got to put the weights on the other side until they sort of balance out. Then you know how much it weighs, and they charge according to that. Now, now just think of those scales, and we've got our request on the one side, or we've got our burden on the one side that we're bringing towards God, and there's prayer on the other side. Shallow, light prayers won't do anything. You've got to have, if I can call it, weighty prayers. And keep putting the weights on the other side until that thing 
tips. Amen. And so keep praying with heart. Keep praying like before you start praying, I want to get what I'm coming to God for. And God will do something. Now, there are just two attributes of God that sometimes put us off praying with real conviction, if I can put it that way. It's interesting. They should actually be the ones, the characteristics that, that switch us on. But first of all, the first thing is, and just two I'm mentioning, the first one is the sovereignty of God. What does that mean? It means that God possesses supreme and ultimate power. We sang that, I think, early on as well. Who is God? God is all-powerful, isn't he? That's the God that we serve. Now, what does that mean? So some people think, so what's the use of praying? Because God has preordained what he's going to do. So he's just going to do what he's going to do. I can't change that. And so I'll bring my request to him. And that's good because he says I must pray. But he's still going to do what he's going to do. And you see, it actually doesn't work that way really. No. So the, the, through him having authority, he's given us authority. Remember in the Garden of Eden when man sinned, we lost the authority and actually gave it to, to Satan. And then on the cross, when Jesus overcame the devil, he took back that authority that we handed over to Satan. And then what did he do? He's given us authority. So I want to say this, we're not praying as beggars. We're praying as people who have authority. In Luke 10, 19, it says, I've given you authority to trample on, trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, was, Jesus, says it, Jesus came to you and told his disciples, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. So God was sending his disciples out with authority. But I want to say this is that, to me, the greatest authority, most encouraging authority that we have is this. We have authority to come into the presence of the supreme ruler and creator of this universe. We have a hearing with him. You can't just go and approach a king. But we have that authority through the Lord Jesus Christ to come, and in Hebrews it calls it the throne of grace, that we may find help in time of need. So we have, we have that authority to come into the presence of God. And so God is wanting us to pray. And in, in 2 Chronicles we know it so well, don't we? In verse seven, chapter 7, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. So I want to just mention one thing over there. If my people are called by my name, I think everyone prays. But listen, we as Christians we have certain privileges that people who don't, who aren't, haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ have. We have the privilege of coming to our Father 
as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have that authority. Unsaved people don't. They must sickle them until they come to Jesus. Sorry, I'm not trying to be nasty. But we have different privileges. We can come to God in this way. And God is saying, do that. You see, when we, when we come to God and we pray to God, we come in to someone who can do something about it. Isn't that great? He can do. Sometimes we can't do anything about it. But he can do something about it. It's almost like, like children. And they've got a problem with something. It's not good discussing it with your brothers or sisters. They, they can't do anything about it. If you've got any sense, go to your parents. They can do something about it. And we come into our father. He can do something about it. And it's not a case that he's already decided what he wants to do. No, not at all. It says over here that when we come to him, we come to the one who can do something about whatever we are going through. So what are you going through? What challenge are you facing? Our Father God can do something about it. He can change your situation no matter what it is. He can change your family. He can change your children. He can change your parents. He can change your businesses. I want to ask this. Can we prosper in an unfavorable economic climate? Can we? Now the next question is, are we? Our God can do that. Can God heal any sickness or any disease? Can he? He can. And we have testimonies right over, right over here. And probably I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of those as well. Just a short story. There was a time not too long ago when, um, when I, was, I, was feeling, I was feeling a little bit of pain after I cycled, not while I cycled, afterwards. So I thought for my wife's sake, Maybe I should go and see the doctor. So I went to him. He's a friend of ours. Well, we know him well. And I just said to him, hey, doc, maybe just put me on a stress ECG and just check my heart out. So it takes, <laughs> it takes my blood pressure. He says, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, your blood pressure is too high. I think it was 160, something over 110 or something like that. So, so I said, but I cycle, I push my heart rate up, nothing happens to me. He says, sir, I can't do it. I said, give me some paper, I'll sign you, I'll sign indemnity. Anyway, long story short, he had to put me on stuff. So, it, it, so eventually he does the ECG. So he says, you've got to see a cardiologist. And I was about to go on a, on a TC and trip to the Cape, so you know, I'll, I'll see him when I come back. He says, no. He says, you've got to see him now before you go. And I was going in five days. So I said, I said, well, I'll come back. I'll, I'll do that when I come back. He said, what happens if something happens to you when you're down in the Cape? I said, well, the worst thing that can happen is I'll go to heaven. Anyway, he wasn't amused at that. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so he sends me to the cardiologist, you see. So I go to this, this guy. pay a lot of money. So I go, <laughs> you want to make money? Become a cardiologist. <laughs> no money. Any cardiologist in the room over here? So anyway, so I go over there, so he does his own stress ECG and stuff, and then he waits for 50 minutes. He calls me into his room. He says, Mr. Hartley, I don't know what you're doing, 
But whatever you're doing, keep doing it. You've got a perfect heart. And what happened between the time that I had this problem and I went to the cardiologist, Alvin prayed like that widow. And God performed a miracle. And yet I am standing with a perfect heart. Well, thanks for your enthusiasm. I know it's my story. <laughs> this. And we've got other people here. We've got Sam over here, just people that I know. Have been, God's healed her from cancer and, and stuff like that. I want, us to, I want to draw your attention to James chapter 5 and verse 13. Listen to this to verse 18. I'll read it to you. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sin, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen to this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer. I looked it up in the Greek and it, and it simply means this. The powerful prayer or the prayer of power. Not just any prayer. Of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Yeah, I've read to you six verses. And in six verses, seven times it says pray or it says prayer. In six verses, seven times. So what's God trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us Pray. Prayer changes things. The earnest prayer of a righteous person, not the casual prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You say, well, I don't know how righteous I am. Well, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I've got good news for you. Jesus has made us righteous. In 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we are the righteousness of God. So any one of us, if we pray, pray passionately, pray earnestly, what's going to happen? Things are going to change. And I'm getting a picture of people over here. Things are going to change for you. Is there anyone over here in any area of your life you need change? I don't mean change from money. I mean changing your situation. Anyone of you? Let me see your hands. There we go. And I want to say things are going to change for you. Just a story. There was a, a person who lived in the 19th century. He was born just after 1800. His name was George Muller. I don't know if any, any of you have heard about him. But he was a, a famous missionary, and he was best known for prayer and establishing orphanages. So he was a, he was a real wicked kind of a guy. He was born in Prussia, a part of, of, of Germany, 
real wicked. He did atrocious things worse than bikers who are not saved. Anyone know what I'm talking about? He was worse than that. But at the age of 30, he gave his, his heart to the Lord and decided that he'd like to become a missionary. So he went from Germany across to England and he went to a Bible society and did their training because he wanted to become a missionary. And when he'd finished the training and he applied to go to the mission field, they said, they said literally, they said, ah, uh-uh, you were too bad before you received the Lord. You're too bad for us to send you out on the fields. I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> anyway, so they didn't accept him. So he's saying, God, what do you want me to do? And God didn't answer him. So he prayed earnestly for one year. After a year, God showed him to go to a certain town in England. So he goes to that town. He wants to find the pastor, so he goes there. He doesn't find the pastor. He attended the Sunday service, and then afterwards he asked the deacon, whoever it was, he said, I'd like to speak to the pastor, please. So, they, so the deacon said in the pastor's just resigned and he's walked out. He said, ah, that's strange, because I sensed that God sent me to this place. And so they hired him and said, okay, you become our pastor. So listen, the first thing he begins to notice is that there's nothing about tithing. So he starts to teach the people about tithing. And he put boxes apparently at the back of the church and the people started to tithe. After many years, their, their giving, not their tithes, their giving was seven and a half million dollars in the 1800s. He established more orphanages than anyone else. He had housed, he had educated and brought up and fed over 10,000 orphans. And he established 117 schools with Christian education that 120,000 scholars went through. The amazing thing is this. They started a trust to support missionaries and so on. I'm talking about the late 1800s. That trust is still working today. And they're still supporting people all over the world today through one man. And everything he did and the the orphanages he established and the the children that he brought up and fed and housed and clothed and educated never asked one person for money. He prayed it in. He prayed it in. People, the power of prayer. When he got saved at the age of 30, he had five close friends that were all unsaved. Stands to reason, I suppose, because they're probably like he was. So he started to pray for them. After 10 years, three of his friends gave their hearts to the Lord. After 25 years, the fourth one gave his heart to the Lord. The fifth one, almost 50 years later, and he prayed every day for them, every day. God, these friends of mine, they're not going to hell. They're coming to you. They're going to go to heaven. The fifth one gave his heart to the Lord at the graveside when they were burying George Miller. God answers prayer. Prayer changes things. 
Isn't it a lovely story? Number two, we're bringing this to a close. The immutability of God. The immutability of God. And maybe there's some people, anyone who's Afrikaans have here, and you think, what so good is that? Many were in the English and I get gewonnen, what so good is that? It simply means this. If something is immutable, it cannot change. And you see, this thing can work against us as well because God doesn't change. We know he doesn't change. In Malachi 3.6, I'm the Lord and I do not change. In James 1.17, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming from us, from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or costs shifting shadow. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the thing is this, we're thinking God's not going to change. He's not going to change. So in certain instances, why pray? And we get it wrong because God's character never changes. But listen, listen to this. Prayer can change his mind. Isn't that interesting? And so we have stories in the Bible Number one is Moses, and you remember Moses, God used Moses, Moses to bring the Israelites out of Egypt, brought them through the Red Sea, all those miracles. But yeah, God had a problem with those Israelites. Because they just, they changed on the outside, but didn't change on the inside. And you remember the one time when God called Moses up onto, onto Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, and he was there for a while. And, and, and what happened is the children of Israel said, what's happened to this man called Moses? And so they, they built themselves a golden calf. You remember that? And they began to worship it. They began to party and chan on, and God got mad. And God says to Moses, he says, Moses, this wicked nation, this nation that you have brought out of Egypt, he says, I'm going to destroy, and I'm going to start a new nation starting with you. So that's, you think God meant what he said? I believe he meant what he said. So Moses comes before God, you see. I want you to read this to you in Exodus 32, 9. Then the Lord said, I've seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone so my fierce anger can blaze against them and I will destroy them. Then I'll make you, Moses, into a great nation. And so Moses fell before God and he prayed and he interceded. He said, God, you can't do that. He says, interesting, he says, this nation that you brought out of Egypt. Remember God says, Moses, this nation that you brought out of Egypt. It's almost like parents, you know. So <laughs> I know this. When my kids behave themselves, they're my kids. If they disbehave, they're their mother's children. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? So, so you've got this thing. God says to Moses, hey, these people that you brought out of Egypt. And Moses, no, 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 it's these people that you brought out of Egypt. So, but be that as it is, Moses got down before God and said, God, you can't do that. He says, imagine the nations around us, the Gentile nations all around about us. They'll say, God had power to bring the, the children, children of Israel out of, out of Egypt through the Red Sea and all these things, only to kill them in the wilderness. What will they think about you? Listen to this. It says, Exodus 32, 14. So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. 
Why did God change his mind? One man prayed, and it changed God's mind. And I want to, I want to say this. If God, even if God has made up his mind, he's going to punish a nation or this or that, or he's tired, or if someone's crossed the line, God will change his mind when we begin to pray. Does anyone of you remember the, the story of, of Jonah? And I don't want to go into detail about it. Anyone remember the story of Jonah? God sends Jonah to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, a wicked nation. And God says, I want to destroy this nation. But, but Jonah, I'm sending you to go and preach a message to them, just to warn them, because I'm wiping them out. Now, Jonah also didn't like that nation. He also thought they were a terrible nation. And he probably also, through prophetic word, heard that years later, they were going to take Israel into captivity and do horrible things to them. So, Jonah goes the opposite direction, doesn't he? Instead of going to Nineveh, he gets on a boat and goes the opposite direction to Tarshish. But you can't run away from God that easy. So you know the whole story. He causes a storm. Then they throw Jonah into the sea. And then a whale comes and picks him up. And he has a whale of a time until, until he began to praise God. And the whale couldn't stomach that. So he vomited him out onto dry land again. Sorry, that's my interpretation. And, and, but eventually he goes to Nineveh. And you know what he does? He preaches the shortest most condemning message ever with no compassion in his heart in any way. It just says, on that day, Jonah 3, 4, on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. He goes around the whole city. 40 days, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And we like a preacher like that. But a miracle happens. And they all Repent. From the king, everyone repents. The king proclaims a fast. Even the animals had a fast. He said, everyone must put on sackcloth. That's this course like Hessian clothing. Even the animals had to have Hessian clothing on them. They fasted before God. And what happened? God changed his mind. And it says this. That God changed his mind. And he saved that nation. Why? Because he can change his mind. When people change, in this case, when they repented, he changed his mind. And obviously, Jonah was all upset about that. And it says over there, the change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. That's our God. That's the thing that doesn't change with God. God loves us. He's compassionate. And he doesn't want to destroy. When we pray and we stand in the gap, God changes his mind. So I just want to say this. The prayer that changes things. And I want to encourage you today and say stop praying the host type prayers. And let's stand up and say, listen, I'm a child of the Most High God. I have authority to come into the presence 
of the creator of this universe, and things are going to change in my life. Things are going to change maybe in my marriage. Things are going to change with my family. Things are going to change in my business. Things are going to change in our finances. Things are going to change in relationships. Is that okay with anyone? Let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we want to thank you. We can pray prayers that change things, even changes your mind. And so, Lord, I pray for this congregation. And today, if there's some people saying, I'm, I'm turning from host by prayer to, a, to that fire hose prayer where things are going to change. If there's anyone like that, I just want you to raise your hands. You're not going to embarrass anyone. Father, you see these hands coming up over here right now. And I think, I just sense that God is going to change things for people. I see families being changed. I see children being reconciled. I just sense God touching. God's touching some people physically. Is anyone here who's been trusting God for healing? Anyone over here? God, I thank you that you're touching these people today, right where they are. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you.